Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thanks, guys. Awesome. All right. Well, how's everyone doing today? Good. Good. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I I I have a prophetic word for you you today, Bethel Atlanta. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Um, I'll tell you ahead of time, it's a very, very simple prophetic word. And and sometimes the the simple prophetic words are the ones that I like to be the most careful with. Um, Because... Some of the most uh, simple truths of who God is are the ones that it's easiest to let the, the most meaning uh, slip between your fingers, you know. Uh, the example, you know, like uh, sometimes we joke about this when we're training in the prophetic of like, uh, you could say, walk up to someone and say, hey, God loves you. And that can easily feel like a very, very generic thing, right? And now, if you are giving a prophetic word, if the Lord is saying that he loves you, it's not about the number of words or even necessarily the way that it's said, although those, these have an effect. It is about the, the truth, the reality that is being communicated through those words. Does that, does that make sense? Now, we are active participants in the, the sharpness, in, the, in, the, um, uh, in, in how meaningful the words of God are in our lives, which is one of the most terrifying and humbling things I've ever uh, come to realize. <laughs> um, uh, because, and uh, let me give you an example. So I, I tell my wife that I love her almost every day. Um, and if I didn't tell her at a particular day, it's because I probably didn't talk to her at all because I was somewhere else. Um, now, that can very easily, and, and anyone who's uh, been married for any length of time knows this, that can very easily become just part of the way that we say hello and goodbye to each other. It could very easily become just part of the way that we speak to each other. And even though there is meaning there, that meaning may not always be present when it is spoken. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? And so it is an, an act of intentionality for us to keep that concept, keep that reality sharp between us. I know the sharp usually is a negative thing, but, but, but keep that honed, keep that well taken care of, keep that alive in our hearts. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? Awesome. Okay, so, so the word that I have today is a, is a simple one, but uh, I feel like it's an important one. And I'll, I'll let you know ahead of time because I feel a certain level of uh, uh, trepidatious anticipation in the room. Um, I'm not going to tell you until the end. So... Uh, <laughs> So I will, I will just set those expectations well, you know, uh, for, for that. Um, <coughs> um, this is not one of those movies where you see the murder at the beginning and then they, everyone else tries to solve the mystery. Um, no, uh, not that this is a murder. Anyway, my metaphors are coming apart. <laughs> Let's swiftly move on. Um, so there, there, there is a concept that exists all throughout Scripture from the beginning of the Bible to the end, and it is used... Uh, different ways and means slightly different things uh, at different points in, in the story. It means the same unified thing, but it, it, it can take on different character, take on different aspect as, as, uh, based on the context of the story. And the concept I'd like to just spend a couple of minutes exploring before we dive into what we're going to dive into is uh, the concept of God's face. God's face. His, his countenance, his attention, um, if you dig through the scripture, there are numerous, especially in the Psalms, references 
to God's face. May, may your face not turn away from me. Please let your face be shining towards me. Um, in prophetic declarations, hey, the Lord is turning his face from you. That's generally not what you want. Um, hey, the Lord is turning his face towards you. It is this concept of God's countenance, God's attention, his, his face being turned towards you, and that being something that you want is an active component in Scripture. Have you guys ever run into that before? There's a lot of examples, but just a couple of quick examples. In number 6, uh, 25, 26, says, The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. You guys ever heard that one before? Maybe even sung it once or twice. Um, again, this, this is a blessing. May his face shine on you. May he be looking at you. May his face be present in your life. Um, there's also ones where they're, that are kind of corrective. In Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Again, this idea of also this other side of the equation of choosing to turn towards his face, turning, choosing to be both asking him to look at you and you choosing to, to look at him. Does that make sense? And again, I, it's, it's tricky sometimes because some, a lot of the way in kind of modern culture that we are taught scripture is kind of in this, um, uh, uh, <laughs> I call it uh, kind of dot by dot sort of perspective where we kind of poke around at different places in scripture. Nothing inherently wrong with that style, but it can sometimes uh, cause us to miss how broad themes sweep themselves throughout the entirety of scripture. Does that, does that make sense? And so this is a theme that if you do a word search for the word face, uh, you, will, you will find around 80 references to this concept, to, to please don't turn your face from me, please turn your face towards me, hey, hey adjust yourself, correct yourself, and turn towards his face, all, all of this. Um, and then this, this one that's presented in the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 39, verse 29, it said... Um, I will not hide my face from you any longer, for I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. This is a whole uh, series of chapters that are talking about the coming of the Messiah, that are talking about this, this, this is a promise of, of what the Lord, of course, the promise of Jesus, as, as we who, who believe in him know, that, that, um, that, that things are going to change and my face will be present in your life, in you as this new king is released upon you. So that is part of the future promise. It is an active back and forth experience all throughout scripture. Many, many, many of the Psalms cover this concept. And so before we dive into what I feel like the, the word I have for you guys is today, I just again want to continue to explore this concept of, of God's face. Um, and I wouldn't really be able to do that without sharing a particular experience that, that I had that was directly related to this subject. And so um, for those of you who are new around here, uh, you may not know that a big part of my testimony is that I've seen angels and demons and other spiritual things uh, not so differently from the way that I'd be seeing you uh, right now. And this is just something that I've experienced ever since I was a little kid. Um, uh, if you're new here, surprise. Um, and if you've been around a while, that's the 47th time you've heard that exact phrase. Um, so, uh, um, <clears throat> so this, I, I wanted to share this story because this is a story about my, uh, uh, about my personal experience with this idea of God's face. And also, this is uh, part of your story, Bethel Atlanta, about this concept of God's face. And so... Uh, some years ago, I don't remember how many anymore, but we were back in the ABC building, uh, for those who remember that, 
Um, that's a build, that, was a build, that was our first uh, non-house building that we were in, uh, just south of Atlanta. And I was a part of the team that helped uh, do, the, do the slides and the lights and whatever other gadgets uh, needed to be working on a given Sunday. And on this particular iteration of how we went about doing that, there was a little side room there in the back and all the video gear, kind of like a door sort of like this, the, there was all the video gear and the slides and stuff were in that back room, and we had little TVs and monitors to be able to see what was going on. And so I got there early, as I usually did for, for that kind of uh, job, and I was making sure all the slides were loaded into the computer. <coughs> and um, well, you know, saw that everything was good to go. I'd been doing it for a while at that point, so I was you know, well, well accustomed to, to doing that. So we got it done early. And so because I had gotten everything done early, I, I walked out of that little side room, and I... I sat down and just watched the band as they were practicing. And those of you who, who don't come here early might not know that this, this band puts a lot of time, effort, and energy into preparing themselves, preparing this place, preparing their, their instruments to, to lead you guys into heavenly places. Um, yes. <laughs> and... And so they were there, had gotten there bright and early to do that, to, to prepare, and they were, they were you know, running through the songs, doing all the things. I, I uh, used to uh, play the drums when I was in high school. I gave, gave that up at a certain point. Um, it's probably for the best. Um, <laughs> and so I, I know some of the dynamic of prepping and walking through a song and both kind of protecting the, um, the, the heartfeltness of the worship experience, of the worship posture, while also... Uh, exercising technical skill and, and calling the best out of one another, and it's always fun to watch the team do that. And as we were um, as we were doing that, I noticed uh, angels all throughout the room, room uh, preparing to partner with worship. You know, one of my favorite things that I do get to see in the spirit is that every single time we worship, heaven responds with in a unique way. It, it is almost as if the the angels have prepared choreography, a, a, a response, a way to partner with us worshiping our God in an absolutely unique way in, uh, in, in an entire lifetime of going to church since I was a little, little kid. I've never once, for lack of a better term, seen the exact same choreography with the way that the angels respond to worship every single time. And, and they're there practicing with the, with the band early in the morning as, as well, even partnering with that aspect. And so I saw the angels kind of moving around and, and kind of running through, and they would pause when the team would pause and start, you know, working out a little, little something. And um, I was just thinking about that and thinking, oh, that's interesting that they even, heaven's even partnering with this aspect of it. Like, this, is, this isn't the part before the part. This is part of it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to hold on a second, contemplate this for a moment. That's the right amount of time. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, thank you, my mouth was dry. You, you've discerned correctly. Um, <laughs> and so it was just uh, watching this happen, thinking about that, you know. When all of a sudden I turn, and, and if you have to kind of understand, this back room was a, if you imagine a little like chunk being taken out of the wall there, it was kind of against a side wall there, and there was this little kind of uh, nook that kind of got created because of the shape of that. And, and we threw a couple chairs there because we, we needed them at that time. And... Um, I noticed that in one of these chairs, in this little back nook here, was another angel. And this angel, I can't emulate it because I, I don't have a, a chair right available, but he was sitting there with his legs crossed, arms crossed, just kind of, you know, sitting down like this. And he had kind of this, um, 
Anytime I've told this story, I've tried to find the right way to describe his look. It, it wasn't quite a skeptical look, but it was a measuring sort of look, you know. Um, my, my impression, if I were to try to describe the way this angel looked, he was wearing kind of a, a dark overcoat. And my immediate impression is like, this is like an inspector or something like that who's coming here to check things out and, you know, is... is uh, Maybe an inspector of high standard and, and one that maybe isn't quite expecting to find what he's hoping to find. You know, if I were to do that, almost like, a, like an FBI sort of angel. I don't know. Um, now, <laughs> again, the angels don't work for the FBI, so they, they work for the NSA. Um, no. <laughs> uh, podcast people, that is a joke, uh, to be clear. That is a joke. Um, <laughs> um, <coughs> That's just kind of the feeling that I was kind of getting from this angel, some kind of inspector or, or something like that. He was, he was checking for something. He was looking for something. And his, his demeanor, his attitude, his kind of, you know, relaxed sort of thing made it look to me like he was not expecting to find what he was looking for. Now, I take a certain pride in, in us and in our, in our worship and who we are as a people. And so I thought to myself, well, we'll see what's what here, mister. Like, hey, I think you will find much more than you're expecting, you know. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that because that's that'll get your hip broke. Um, but uh, <coughs> um, but I but I thought it. Uh, <coughs> um, and so uh, we so we continued on, and then we entered into worship. And even though as we went into worship, I saw. Um, you know, angels dancing and partnering with worship as, as we went. It was beautiful and glorious. I saw the presence of God moving throughout the room. Even though I saw this, that angel the entire time remained seated with his arms crossed without much movement. And then we continued on into the, the announcements, the offering, the things you just witnessed moments ago. And uh, yet again, during that entire time, the angel sat there without any sort of movement. Um, we move forward into the, into the sermon. Uh, Steve was preaching that particular Sunday, and even during the entire sermon, there was, once again, no, no movement. Just kind of sat there, arms crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, there's a happy ending. Um, <laughs> now, that particular Sunday, um, Steve was teaching on a subject that I actually really love every time he's, he speaks about it, because um, I've heard a lot of um, people who are musicians and, and traditional worship leaders speak about worship, but I always treasure it when, when anyone who is, who is not what we traditionally think of as a worship leader talks about worship and talks about leading worship, and this is the particular thing that Steve was talking about on that day. And whether it was something that was planned ahead of time or whether it was something that was a whim at the moment, I, I don't really know. But at the end of his sermon, after talking about worship, how we're all worship leaders and, and choosing to engage in worship, he, um, Steve invited the band to come up again and uh, play, play a, a song one more time. And as they, as they did... Um, I noticed that the, you know, uh, for those of you who are following along while we're worshiping, you may notice that there's, there's ebbs and flows to the presence of the Lord. There, he kind of goes over here, and then he goes over here. He goes to this intimate place, and then he sometimes invites us into this high praise, you know, sort of, sort of spot. And sometimes, you know, uh, honestly, less often here than a lot of places, it, it sometimes takes time to build to some of those deep places. Although I would say one strength of our environment is, is and really you guys, is that we there's a lot of room to get to an intimate place quickly, and I appreciate that um, as a person who benefits from it. Um, but 
for whatever reason, as soon as we entered worship, it was as if we returned to the very height of where we had been uh, earlier in that day. And so as we worshiped, this white cloud came into the room and it, and it filled it and it got so dense, it was actually hard for me to see the band. And as, as it grew denser and denser and denser, all of a sudden, in about a half dozen spots all at once, the, this dense fog sort of uh, twisted and condensed into this tight little bead of, of bright, bright blue light. And there's about six of these. It was almost as if like the, you know, the atmosphere was condensing into this little droplet sort of thing. Now, the, the moment that those things showed up, this angel stood up and started walking forward, reaching into his coat pocket at the same time, and, and produced a, um, the best way I can describe is like a, like a pair of uh, tweezers, but it was like a, much more precise than that. This looked like something that would be used in surgery or in you know, nuclear fusion or something like that. I don't know. It's, it, it was very precise. You know, okay, this isn't, this isn't the one you get at Walmart, you know, sort of thing. Um, <laughs> And he rushed forward, and with a very uh, a strong sense of practiced and skilled movement, he reached up and plucked each of these out of the air and placed them in a little glass vial that was in his coat pocket. And he, with, with great swiftness, but again, the, 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 um, the, the precision and care of a master surgeon reached out and snatched each of these, placed them in his little vial in his coat pocket. And then uh, worship came to a conclusion, and he walked back, and he sat down, once again, uh, crossing his arms, just the same way he had before. Now, at that time, we had two services, and so <clears throat> people dismissed, and the next, next group uh, loaded all in, and we got ready to do it again. And I thought, well, gosh, that was interesting. And as everyone was loading in, I was making sure the computer was all ready. I looked over, and I thought to myself, what was, you know, what was... What was all that about? What were those little blue dots of light? Now, I, I don't hear angels speak very frequently. Uh, most of the time, they ignore whatever I'm up to, um, and because they're very focused on whatever they're up to. But this particular time, as I had that thought, I, I wonder what those were. I wonder what that was about. The angel, without looking at me, uh, spoke, and he said, "This kind of." praise is extremely rare. I've been traveling around looking for it, and it's difficult to find. And he paused for a moment, almost as if he was looking for the right word to say, and this option was not quite right, this one wasn't quite right. And, and then he said this, and I could tell even as he was saying it, like, that's not quite right either, but it's, it's what he said. He said, it's a, it's a pearl of great price. And that was it. So I thought, okay, well, we're doing this again. And so we <clears throat> went around and uh, once again, all through the f first set of worship, even though worship maybe even reached a higher place than it had in the previous service, that white cloud didn't show up and there was not that same action again. We went through announcements. We went through uh, Steve preaching once again. And once again, he invited the band up. And once again, right away, this time even more intensely, that cloud entered the room. Even more thick. It, it, the height that it reached at the end of the previous service is the height that it started at at the end of the second service. And this cloud entered the room. And again, it got thicker and thicker. And right away, there was a dozen, two dozen of these little lights all at once just condensing into the room. 
I kind of, you know, again, I'm back and forth hitting the button on the slide, coming out of this little closet, you know, uh, looking at, trying to keep track of what's going on uh, while, while maintaining the other, other job. And, um, and I look, I see the angel stand up, I see him rush forward, and I look up to the front, and all of a sudden, um, completely without me expecting it whatsoever, out of this cloud, I saw the face of God emerge. Um, and so I screamed and ran into the closet and slammed the door. <laughs> and immediately, thank goodness I was by myself, uh, out loud said, I didn't see that. <laughs> um, and some other part of me said, yes, you did. <laughs> and this other part that is apparently hanging around in there said, no, you didn't. And I had this, uh, and I had this little argument back and forth uh, saying, you saw that. And I said, no, I didn't. It said, yes, you did. And then it said, and, I, and the other part said, you can't see that. And I said, well, you seem to have done so. Uh, <laughs> and I said, well, then it couldn't be that. And then the other part said, you know that it was. And this went back and forth for some time. Uh, and then after that kind of spun itself in the circles for a while, voice number two suddenly said, you should go back out there. And voice number one said, no, you should not. <laughs> and so that went on also for a little while. I'm not sure if this was like uh, five minutes or like three seconds <laughs> at all. But this went back and forth, back and forth. And so finally I said, okay, gosh, if I don't go back out there, I'm going to regret it. And so I uh, opened the door and peeked out, and it was still there. And so I looked down. And I thought, this is dumb, so I looked up. And then I said, you're not supposed to do that, so look down. And I kind of went back and forth and back and forth, not knowing what to do exactly. And so then I just uh, look down, and I'm like, I, I can't. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to see this. And I was wrestling with this back and forth in, in my mind. It just get, uh, and I, every second that I was looking at it felt like it was wrong and I shouldn't be. Every second that I was looking away from it felt even more wrong and, and, and like the biggest waste I had ever had in my entire life. You know, it's, it felt like money spilling out of my pockets into the ocean, you know, as every moment I was looking away. Um, and so, but then I'm just looking down, like, I'm not supposed to see that. I'm not supposed to see that. And just kind of locked in that. And then all of a sudden, this voice comes from the front. It's, it's uh, to date, the loudest thing I've ever heard, not necessarily in terms of volume, but in the sense that when this voice spoke, every other argument and thought that was rolling in my head had to be pressed out to make room for what was being said. And this voice said, who told you that you should ever hide your face from mine? And immediately, I flash back to kindergarten when I was in this little Sunday school class at a gymnasium in Seal Beach, California, with the little felt dividers, like so vivid, this entire thing snapped back, and the little uh, felt board with the felt uh, Mary and the felt Jesus, baby Jesus, you know, it's all hanging out right there. It was bright blue. I'm, gosh, it, did, it was so vivid. I'm just a few rows back, and this little girl in the second row to the far left side raises her hand and says, but teacher, you know, this teacher who seems so adult to me now, who I realize is probably like 17, um, <coughs> um, but teacher, why can't we see God? 
And this, again, probably 17-year-old said, oh, you know, honey, uh, because God is just so big, he's so powerful, he's so good, that if we saw him, we would, we would just die. And so that memory ran through my head, and I um, immediately kind of just returned back to, to where I was. And while that didn't answer the question, really, that was at hand, it made me realize that the first time that I learned that you are not supposed to see God, it was a person that told me, <laughs> and not God. And so with that little bit of, of permission, I, I raised my eyes, and I looked full into his face. And as I said, it's been a number of years now, but I still don't really have the words to describe. The first thing that came to mind was that this is the most familiar face I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it was part of what made it feel okay to look at it because it's like, I've seen this a million times before. I've seen this more than I've seen my mother's face, my father's face. This is the most familiar face I have ever seen. And every little movement, again, his head was big. It was his chin rested on the bottom of the floor. His head rested on the top of the, the ceiling. And we, we, had, we have higher ceilings now, so there's more room. But um, it, it, every little movement, every glance of his eye spoke, ever, spoke of the goodness, everything good that I have ever hoped or suspected about him and even more. He took a moment to look at every single person in the room, staying on each one just as much time as was right. He looked every single one, one of us in, in the eye. Everyone had, of course, you know, for worship, crowded up to the front, and it was so packed he couldn't hardly move. And he leaned forward and he rubbed his face on them like they were a warm blanket. He smiled at each person. He, he paused. He went back over here to look at this person again. And again, it's, it's such a subtle thing that it's hard to express. But everything that he did communicated his care, his affection, his fatherhood, his love, his desire, his ownership over every single person in that room. And so I watched with blinking as little as possible until worship uh, landed and slowly that face uh, moved back. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I felt a little shook after that. Um, and um, some time went by, and we went. Uh, we had our um, school retreat for, for uh, our, our school of supernatural ministry. And at the school retreat, there we, uh, each of the year leaders gives a message, and I was one of the year leaders at that time. And I usually really hold that loosely. I let the Lord's. I, I don't plan anything ahead of time. I wait to hear what the Lord's saying right before. And I uh, was getting concerned because as the days went by and it came to my turn, I wasn't getting anything whatsoever. And we got to even worship right before and a couple of songs in to before. And I'm like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to share. And having a hard time thinking of anything. And just nothing was coming to mind. And normally the Lord said something by now, you know. And <laughs> as we're about one and a half songs ready before we're going to be done, I hear the Lord say, um, you should share that story. And I said, what story? <laughs> and he said, you know which one I mean. And I said, I can't share that story. And he said, why not? I told you to. There's a lot of arguing going on in this situation, as you can tell. <laughs> um, and I said, I, I don't even know how I feel about that. Now, I don't know how you guys are. Um, 
Uh, Lauren often compliments me on waiting a year or, or to build up something or to, or to listen to it. I, uh, that's less uh, a mark of skill or character and more um, utter terror uh, at, at my incapacity, at, at a human's inability to present the, the words of God. And so I, um, I, you had set in my soul, well, last time I had a vision of this near this significance, I waited about seven years before I told another living soul, I was thinking I at least had half a decade, you know, before I would talk about this to anyone. But he said, no, I want you to share this now. And I just was wrestling in my head. I'm like, I can't. I, this, I don't even, I don't know if this is okay. And I said, okay, fine, fine, fine. You know, he's not saying anything else. I'm like, I'm going to get up there and have nothing to say. He says, I, I said, okay, just give me, just give me a scripture. Give me, give me something, you know, give me, give me something. And so he said, all right, Exodus 33. And so I'm reading through Exodus 33. I get to uh, verse 18. It's a familiar moment for many of you. It's Moses uh, hanging out with God. <laughs> Exodus 33, 18. Then the Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And I said, yeah, that's the problem. That's why I cannot tell this story. This is not working out. This is, I, I, this is why I can't do this. And I, I'm just kind of freaked out at him, honestly. And interrupting my freak out, he said, Galatians, uh, Galatians uh, what was it, 2.20. And if, uh, oh, yeah. And so I didn't know what Galatians 2.20 was off the top of my head. I flip over to it, desperate. There's like minutes before I'm supposed to be talking and Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I was like, okay, that is just enough. <laughs> Keep going. I, you know, I've had this conversation with theologians, and they don't quite agree with me, but every, every time. But when you explore... The concept of God's face, it, it, it's, it's, it's a mystery because, um, you know, you have um, Jacob just a little bit ago before, uh, relatively speaking, before, before Moses, who um, in Genesis 32, 30, if you're looking, this is, you know, after his encounter with God, he says, so Jacob named the place a Peniel for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved, you know, so you have moments like that. You have a couple of verses before this Exodus story where it says, and Moses spoke with God face to face. Just a few verses later, no, you can't see my face. Uh, theologians have argued uh, endlessly about what that means, and this is what I'm presenting to you, uh, is you can't see his face. And you can. And you can't. And you can't. Because that's the nature of our God. He is Abba, Father. And he is Yahweh. Unknowable, untenable, beyond anything you could ever touch or imagine the concept of touching. He is both. In our limited capacity, you have to be one or the other and the two cancel each other out. In the capacity of God, he can be both at all times without change. And if you look at this concept as it wrestles itself out through the rest of Scripture, it is engaged in this mystery of 
the essence of what is communicated by his face is that I want you to see me and know me. I want my goodness to flow towards you. I want you to be connected to me, connected to my heart. <clears throat> so now I have a word for you. I was in uh, Canada last week, which is why I wasn't here. It was negative 20 degrees when I landed. <laughs> so thank you for those who were praying for me. I got to the first song at, in worship at the place I was at. And immediately, I once again, as I did have about a half dozen times now, saw that same picture of his face. And again, I've thought about this process. Is, is that the full, unfiltered face of God? Most assuredly not, I would assume, because I probably would explode. But God could make me not explode if he wanted to. So the, the main thing I took from that is that he wanted me to know him more than I thought he did. And that is the essence of what I pulled from that story in that moment. And so the second I walk in, I see that place. And it's funny because I'd just been praying for you guys uh, in the hotel room before, before I left. And he said, Beth Atlanta is coming into the season of my face. He said, I want you to be a place where people get to see me and know me. And that's it. You know, we're... If you want to categorize us, we're probably a charismatic church or something close to it. You know, the categories get funny as soon as you try to get down in there. Same thing with animals. You know, it's like, you know, they have fur, they have this, and then here's a platypus. You know, that's a mammal too. <laughs> we might be the platypus in this uh, uh, illustration, but uh, <laughs> um, there is a wrestle. I, I, I dislike when prophets come and try to build anticipation for God, something that God's going to do, there is something that is very accurate about that because we should anticipate God doing what he does. But also, um, it's him doing it, not us. And it's him doing it, not our ability. And so I want to just take just two or three minutes here at the end. I'm going to ask the band to, to come back up, if you will. And I want to just, uh, just worship together for a moment. So I, I, I was wrestling with Lord, what does that mean? You know, because it was a very short word, as I said. And I wrestled with Lord, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do? What is our action plan for that? <laughs> and um, he turned me to he turned me to this. I mean, as the team uh, comes up, um, I am. Um, as a side note, you should read First and Second Chronicles. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, it's at the end of the Old Testament, and it is a complete record of the history of Israel and God. Kings, Samuel, these are all the kind of as it's happening sort of thing. And this is someone saying, "Here's the full picture." First and Second Chronicles were a single story; there was a single book, had couldn't could only fit on two scrolls, which is why we number them that way. But um, and so there's something beautiful about seeing someone years later looking back at the history and seeing this was our journey. 
And this is, so that's why when we get to it, sometimes we skip it a little bit because it's like, oh, it's the same story all over again. <laughs> um, so David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. It was a great victory. He danced, uh, some say uh, without any clothes, some say in his underwear. Uh, and it offended people and it uh, blessed many others. David, this is the story of David dancing, you know, wildly. Um, and then, we don't always know this part of the story, but David then assembled the very first worship band. Music was not necessarily a, an active part of, of uh, celebrating God until this time. And so in, and it talks about it here in 1 Chronicles 16. It says, they brought the ark and set it, uh, this is ver uh, chapter 16, verse 1, and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And when they presented birth offerings and fellowship offerings before God, after David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And so they gave some sacrifices. He gave, out, he gave out some food to everybody. And then he goes through all these names of the team that he assembled. Hey, you're, you're the chief. You're the, you're the leader of these, these group of Levites. You are going to play the cymbals. You are going to play the lyre and the lute. You are going, uh, going to do this. You are going to do that. He assembled the first worship team. And then he gave them instructions. And this is too long for us to read right now. But I would recommend any uh, worship people. This was a great worshiper giving instructions to the very first worship team and to the very first group of worshipers in the style that we model to this day. And he said this in verse 8. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Some translations say, seek his face continuously. Um, we're going to just go ahead and worship together just for a couple of minutes. We're going to have to go get kids in, in yet another minute. But I want you to stand up right where you are. I just want you for a few minutes to seek his face. I don't know how to do that. I know lots of ways to do that, and I don't know how to do that at all. <laughs> but seek his face. <laughs> my encouragement to you, my, my exhortation to you, not just now, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day, is to seek his face. And I hear that his promise to you in this season is that you will find it. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.